Welcome. You're tuned in to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper into content, conversation, and application of Sunday sermon at Westside Church in Poplar Bluff. If you want more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. If you have any questions you'd like answered on this podcast, you can email them to info at westsidepb. Most importantly, it's all about Jesus. So would you would you rather be hot or would you rather be cold? Because let me tell you, man, this yeah. week this week has been an insight into your personality in, in a insane way. So we can way. talk about it. We gotta talk about it. So one is let's just get it out on the table. The the parsonage is a ripe 83 right now. Yes. We are suffering for the sake of the gospel to record this podcast right now. So yeah, it is incredibly hot in the office here at West Side. But maybe life threatening. I mean when Jason says, hey, my number's 80, I'm moving across the street to the church. Can't do it. Yeah, that's that's how you know it's bad. But, 100%. But no, you asked if I could be, I'd rather be hot or cold. I'm going to say I'd rather be hot, but okay. we have to explain why. So you came into my office the other day. Monday, <laughs> the first day that a heat advisory was issued for our area, uh-huh. and by 10 a.m., it was already 90 degrees, uh-huh. well into the 90s probably by 10 a.m., and I was noticing, man, the AC over here in the offices is not keeping up, you know. And granted, it's a heat advisory. The humidity is like 80%. It's, it's bad. It's really bad. And I heard your heater. It makes it two beeps. Going no, beep, beep. in your office. Yep. And I was like, weep, flag on the play. This is a conversation now. Yep. So you had your heater going the day of a heat advisory outside. And I told you, isn't that the beauty of where we live, that it can be a heat advisory outside. I'm in an air-conditioned building, sure. still with a space heater. Sure. So it's first world problems. I just need to know if you have... A, if do, do you allow your family to use a space heater during the summer months? I would love to know from the no, listeners. There's no way. I See, mean, for I, me, would, I would play my dad card... So heavy on that, dude. Nope, nope. My 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 wife. I swear, when we get like put you down to bed or whatever at late at night, that thing is right here. And Megan is the one that will put. And this is this is no. If anyone is in insurance, they're gonna instantly or a dad go. Oh my goodness, she will put like something over the space heater. Yeah, sure to trap the heat. Sure, but that's also a huge fire code. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, sure, it's regardless. Sure. But yeah, so like we're in our family, we'll have a space heater out 24-7. We've got one in our room, one in the living room. Next question. Did you grow up with that? No. Okay. Cause because I could totally see yeah. how that's a, you know the like, fan's always on. Yeah. The fan's right? that's got, like I if mean, you're a psycho if you sleep in silence. Yes. You're a serial killer <laughs> if you do not have a fan Do you even own a space heater? A box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay. For sure. We used to have it in the kids' rooms when they were smaller and couldn't get to them. And then it got taken out when they could obviously get to it. Fun fact, our house has a wood-burning stove. Fully up-to-date, the tile around it, the flashing installed, all the above. And I've never used it one time. Okay. Never used it one time because when we moved in, there was a... We had to get down on our hands and knees and clean even the baseboards because of the fine black soot yeah. that it puts out. So 
Well, yeah. I mean, it was definitely a learning for, for you of me because, yeah, space heater. Because I think, I mean, I've been here, I've been to West Side, I've been at West Side for about six months. And I froze you out of the office every day. And yeah, you love a good, and anyone that goes to West Side will know when you look at the, the thermostats yes. in the church and, you know, on Sunday morning, it's like 66, 67. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The closer, and, and newsflash for, for those who are listening, I'm going to give you a little inside tip. The closer you sit to the stage, the colder it will be. Also, so it's not the spirit is what you're saying. Also, the way the <laughs> vents are set up, the closer you sit to the aisle, the colder you will be. So if you are someone who says that Pastor Jason freezes me out every Sunday, <laughs> you need to sit closer to the windows because the vents will blow over you. That's good. And not and not at you. That's so that's, everyone I know when I we talk about this, they're like, it's because Jason's always wearing a jacket. This is true, but dude, I mean, you're in, right. I'm sweating some. in the winter. I mean, the older I get, the more I sweat. Yep. I, uh... And it is, so to, that, to answer that question, I am of the deep conviction that you can always put on enough clothes and enough blankets and warm yourself yeah. to cool the human body off is science would literally tell you that like there's an internal temperature, man. And when it gets a couple degrees above what it's supposed to be. So what's your house set at right now? Air conditioning. Well, the way that the sun rises and sets on our house. Does answer the question? So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 70, 70. Okay. Yeah, it's not insane, but fans are going sure. for sure in that 70. So at night, it does get pretty cool. But man, in the winter... I'm not turning that heat up above 68. See, we, I feel like 70 used to be my number. And then the house here, I don't know what, if it's just insulated different, I can, we can do a 73, 74. doesn't bother me. Well, you're, but yeah, you're new construction, but it's also going to rise and set on your house doesn't too. It have like a, a, it's a concrete floor. It's not a, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a slab. Yeah. It's a concrete slab. Yeah. It's not a uh, crawl space. So, but our houses are stones throw from each other, but the sun is rising on our house by 7 a.m. And you got to think about it all day long, yeah. high noon, boom. And we have no windows to let that stuff in really. Too. See, we have a giant living room bay window that I even at the top part, it's got that half arched window. Yeah, yeah. I have tinfoil in that right now. <laughs> Super ghetto. I stuffed tinfoil to reflect the heat out of that mug. Just know what to expect when you pull up to... Pastor Jason's house. Oh yeah, dude. No, if you, if you're trying windows. if you're trying to create a comfortable environment for me, in one that I am not easily agitated and frustrated in, <laughs> that mug better be a cool environment. Okay, you crank the heat up, and dude, waking up hot, tangled in the sheets, I'll fight a baby. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude, that pretty. High that's level the discomfort. worst. Yeah. To wake up hot, sweaty, and tangled up in them sheets. Yeah. No way. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, we could talk. I mean, this, yeah, there's I mean, yes. so many different elements to this yes. that you can, you know, so yeah. Let so us our, know. Our, our listeners let need us to know. settle this. Would you rather be hot or would you rather be cold? And I'm talking generalities all around. Yeah. Are you rocking a space heater or not right now? Like, <laughs> let's just call it out, black Dude, and white. Dude, listen, I'm going to go ahead and predict. That you've got to be in the minority of right, that. You've right. got that's can't be that that normal of a thing. We don't have an attic fan. I think an attic fan would really be. Oh, dude! In know. the spring and in the fall, you get me in a house that has an attic fan. I'm taking a six hour nap <laughs> during the day. 
Oh, yeah. get me in that cold room that has the least amount of windows. Yeah. Open that door and let me hear that attic fan. Yeah. Oh, I'm going right back to my grandma's house. We have nanny, nanny used to have a floor furnace that you had to not step on. Because it'd burn you. How, how was that even yeah. a thing? It's a different time. And it was right outside the bathroom door. So when you had just stepped out of the shower. I was, yeah, super, yeah. And you went and grilled your feet on that mug. Oh, yeah, it's man. Good stuff. It's good great stuff. stuff. It's good stuff, man. Well, we're back. Yep, we're plugging along in the Pillars of Truth. And it looks like that we're, I'm actually going to be able to finish this book of the Bible. And so if you're listening to this, you're probably laughing quite a bit because let's just admit it. I did not plan well in planning out this series because we went in the month of May, kind of started it in the month of May, which had Mother's Day, graduates. I mean, it had all kinds of stuff, dude, you know, on, on that Memorial Day. And then there was Father's Day involved in that. And yeah. so I think we stopped for a total of like five weeks mm-hmm. in in that, which put us behind. And so... I normally like to kind of teach through sections that kind of have a main thought that's laid out in it. And sometimes you can spend two or three weeks in a single section, you know. Yeah. So, but we're plugging along, man. Plugging yeah. along. We're cl- I mean, you're you've got chapter 5. You started chapter 5 last week. Yep. Yep. So. And the same thought continues into this week. It's honor. He just talks about honoring two different sort of spheres of authority in our life. And then I'll finish out the letter Labor Day weekend. Okay. So, yep. Yep. So, so we are going to finish First Timothy. Is that the plan? We're going to finish First Timothy. All I don't right. know what I was thinking about. We're going to walk through the pastoral epistle. That's three books of the Bible. Yeah. That's First Timothy, yeah. Second Timothy, and, and Titus. Timothy's a heater. Oh, I mean, yeah. First Timothy is too, but Second Timothy is. Oh, like, dude, I could be. Yeah. No, that's not happening. How guys. many? How many words do I have circled in Second Timothy and yeah. read? And, you yeah. Know, that's so are, personal of Paul's letters. That's so funny. But yeah, yeah, we're back into the pillars of truth. This last week was really good. I mean, for many reasons, for me personally, one was that it it, it struck a chord. I think to to any younger guy, husband. Mm follower of Christ, just a younger person in general, I feel like if you were listening to the sermon one way, shape, or another, you instantly felt connected to what the message that Paul was trying to put forth. Yeah, I could have preached a whole sermon on the first two verses, hands down. I mean, it really was just... I mean, we've talked about this before. One of the first people that actually I felt welcomed in the church was an older man opening sure. the door for me. You know? Yep. Yep. So, but there was so much, so much compacted into. We had widows. There was yeah. so many different types of people. I remember you walking by my office and you were just still, still wrestling with the text. And you know, there's just so many different people that he's talking about. Here. Yeah, I felt like it was almost a grocery list when your mom is like, "Hey, I need <laughs> you to run the store for me." And I need you to get the guacamole with bananas and marshmallows. And and you're like, this list is... But there was an overarching dominant word of honor in regards to... The big idea is, listen, we got to take care of each other in the church. And here's the different age groups and backgrounds. Here's also probably going to be one of the primary groups of widows that you need to care and take care of. And this is how... You also need to do that. But by far, honor and grace was sort of the social responsibilities that we have of one another. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, so just to get it out on the table, the big idea for Sunday was in God's household, we care for each other with honor 
and grace. Yeah. And I mean, going through the sermon, obviously, you know, it, you, you broke it down, but to give some context, just to back up a little bit, what's the contrast to this and the ancient time we're talking about, it's not honor and grace. It would be honor shame. Yep. And so there's some of this that's in the ancient context. That's very interesting of thinking about the church, the oikos of God, like yep. what that means. Yep. We is, stand out. It's so, I mean, for them, it would have been big. I mean, yep. it, you know, honor shame there. People are rooted in their family roots. Uh, I mean, it's who you, who you were born from is who you become yep. to and that's all those it. things. So, hearing what the church was being called to do and the amount of purpose put behind it, I think is something that we could definitely break yeah, down. Yeah. And, and I think the big thing too, is the categories that Paul talks about would be viewed at from a worldly standpoint as a social liability. Yeah, sure. The elderly and widows. So that would have been viewed as, oh, yeah. you know, we've got, these people are a liability. They're not contributing that much. And they're a lot to take. I mean, that, yeah, I mean no, that's how it I would be I instantly thought of Willy Wonka, though. Sure. <laughs> now, expand. Oh, yeah. All the people in the beds together in the home <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. And then Charlie gets the invite and they take hundred percent. All of that stuff. And so, and but what Paul does is he turns it on his head and says, no, 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 no. Every human being is created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, we are all worthy of relating to each other with honor. And we defined honor as honor is the act of holding all people in all positions in high value, worth. That's where he really turns it on its head, is though though you don't, quote-unquote, socially contribute to the whole in the church of Jesus Christ, you're still valued. Like, that's significant. That, sure. That's really, really significant. And I love the way that he interplays the inter-age of the relationships within the church. Sure. You know, you don't rebuke an older man. You know, you rebuke an older man, but you need to do it as, as a father. Well, honor your father and your mother, you know. And then mothers, older women are to be treated as mothers. Younger men are to be treated as brothers. Younger women as sisters. And I found that so significant because for a number of reasons, but the younger men struck me because younger men view younger men as competition. Right. Yeah. It's dog eat dog. Yeah. It's a yeah. threat mentality. Yeah. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You're viewed as, as brothers in that sense. And so, yeah, I found that as really significant and how that practically plays out because I think, and you can speak to this. When it comes to the elderly, and I saved myself in the sermon, I did not put an age to that, though Paul did say 60. Paul did list a, you know, a, a, a number in that right. sense. I think the older saints continually have a low level of anxiety that all they contribute is financially sure, to, to the church body. Yeah. And my prayer and my desire Sunday was to shatter that. Yeah. Because a little bit of background. Coming to Westside as a younger pastor, and we tended to leaders, you know, the leader tends to attract himself. And what I mean by that is the demographic. Right. So I I was at a at a church where one of the co-pastors was an ex-football player loved like men's ministry and stuff like that. And if you looked up on a Sunday morning, literally, it was like a clone. 
all the men were like very military football driven, like, it, yeah. and that's natural. That's natural anywhere you go. Right. And so we had a lot of young people and then really, really, really older people. And what I mean by that is hands down the greatest, one of the greatest privileges that I have had at Westside is I was able to pastor founding members of this church. Particularly when I came to Westside, there was three founding members, and one of them the church started in the basement of her home, Miss Margaret yeah, Cross. Cross. Yeah, and to see the intentionality of those older saints, there was one point where they were so nervous that they did not know every single person on a Sunday morning that they came to me almost like what, like we have to stop. Like, I mean, serious, like, like we have to stop growing because we don't know who these people are Yeah, because they wanted to care and they wanted to know those people yeah. so much that well, way. And it, it's something too that it's, it's, you know, we both, I think can, can get it out on the table and say, we both had, pa- you started pastoring Westside at a younger age. Yeah. I also, as a senior pastor, I was a youth pastor for many years, but sure. then took over a church in Bolivar at age 23 as yep. well. Like, so we were both that met I mean, in a senior center. Hey guys, we wanted to take a break from the podcast and I wanted to fill you in on this incredible resource. Listen, I know I've got a lot of pastor friends, a lot of church volunteers, maybe you're on staff at a church and there's a ton of things that when I started working at a church that I didn't know anything about. And when I became pastor at Westside, there was a lot that I didn't know about. And one of those things was church insurance. I'm in a board meeting. Someone says, what's our insurance policy? And I'm like, I have no idea. Listen, I don't care how much you paid for your seminary education. They don't teach you about church insurance. But listen, Westside has found a great resource at First Choice Insurance through our agent, Matt Phillips. First Choice Insurance is locally operated. It is family owned. They have a ton of insurance policies from A to Z. They've insured everything from airplanes, zoos, like legitimately, Matt told me that they've insured a lion before. So listen, if you work at a church, if you're a pastor and you're like, seminary did not teach me about church insurance, I want you to reach out to Matt Phillips at First Choice Insurance. The number is 573-686-2870. Again, that's Matt Phillips at First Choice Insurance, 573 686 Two eight seven zero, or you can check them out on Facebook. Again, family-owned, locally operated. Matt Phillips, First Choice Insurance. Back to the show, guys. Yeah, I mean, it I was it, just one of those things where I mean, so many things came with that. Of one, the expectation of well, all we need to do is hire a young guy or yep. a girl, and then they'll attract young guys and girls. And, sure, and there is some truth to that, like what you're saying. Sure. But I do think that it created its own obstacles 100%, in the process. And 100%. So I, but I think it's I, something you said that really just made me, you know, something that we say a lot just back and forth of like, you know, on a Sunday morning, and this is going to be shocking to some of our listeners, that on a Sunday morning, if you call Westside your home church, you're not the number one priority because we're looking for those that are new. Yep. Now, what we mean by that and the analogy we give, which is really helpful, which actually ties into this, yeah. is if someone, let's say you're having a, a, a party at your house. Yep. 
and you invite someone in and you know, hey, I know that person. I know their kids. Come on in. Yep, sure. You know where the fridge is at. You know where the bathrooms are been at. been here before. You've been here before. You yep. know you're loved. You know you're welcomed. That's not what's going on. Sure. But if you bring a friend, yep. the attention now shifts. You're going to give them a tour of your house. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly. And yep. I think that to go back to what we were saying a little bit about the elder, I think that's where that it's a good purpose of yes. like, no, we want them to feel welcome and to know where things are at. And it's like, that's not what's not happening. Yeah. But I do think it's that good. there's some similarities of that whole process sure. of, you know, when you think of someone coming to your house for dinner, I mean, one, you prepare, yep. like you don't want to be un, unprepared for someone when they're coming over. And sure. So there's just a lot of that. I think that for those that are in the older generation, I mean, I've met a lot of saints that I would call them saints, but like they had such an influential part oh. to our callings in ministry. Like, oh. you know, cause I mean, obviously you're going to be encouraged by your brothers. Like, Hey man, you know, you did a great job, whatever, good sermon, good sure. devotion. But it's something about the elder generation. I remember we just, uh, you know, we just had her pass away a few weeks back, but one of my oldest congregants, yep. there was an honor. There was two people. One was Vera Dickerson. The other one's still living Barbara Slack. Yeah. And there was two people that I just remember when they said, you know, I call you pastor and what that means yep. to them. To us, we think of it's an honor thing. Well, 100%. you have to say that. But for someone like them, they look at honor, I think, a little bit different. Yep. Um, they appreciate it, yep. I think, is the, is the word I'm looking for there. I don't know, just when it comes to this whole thing of we appreciate each other, we honor each other, we welcome each other, I think there's so much there that... Are we intentional about that? Yeah, and I think let's te- let's tease that intentionality out even a little bit more because from a younger man's point of view, I deeply desire what Paul says in that verse of respect older men as fathers to have an older man put his arm around me and say, you're going to make it. That was huge, man. You know, like, yeah. hey, it is so hard. And for him and for just someone to say it's hard. Yeah. Is so affirming. Like, okay, it, okay, so it is supposed to be hard. Okay, that's number yeah. one. Okay. Number two, you're going to make it. And right now you feel like you don't. I'm 40 years ahead of you. And you are going to stay up at night and weep that you could have these days back. Like, like that yeah. needs to be said. But my generation does a very poor job of how in turn we give honor to them and yeah. not just receive it. And I think the giving of the honor to the older generation, and you can speak to this a little bit, is the intentional slowing down and recognizing that they are in your presence and giving them however much time they need to catch up. That is a very, on like, example. Let me give a real hard example to this. When Miss Margaret came to me and was like, we don't know who's this couple and they had kids and do they need meals and, <laughs> you know, like all this type of stuff. We implemented Sunday night family dinners. And so um, on Sunday evenings, you would come back to the church and all you needed to bring was, you know, we would provide the the entree, the meat, you would bring a side. And the only rule, and I did this a couple times, that you could not sit at a table with someone you knew. And I would literally go, eh, I'm breaking up your table. You guys need to come over here. And all we did was share a meal, and there was like five get-to-know-you questions, like in the middle of the table. Yeah. That That's all it was. And so that was a way 
for the quickness of the change and the growth that was happening for that generation to to catch up. But also, I, I want to say something to... I, I know there's a few pastors that listen to this, and, and if you minister... On Thursdays was my visit shut-in days. And I would devote a couple of hours... Towards the end, Miss Margaret became homebound, but I also would go visit Elaine and Paul in the nursing home. And I just want to say to pastors, there is nothing Instagrammable and pastoral about ministering to shut-ins. It is going to take up a large amount of time and a large amount of energy, and you could be sermon prepping and doing a thousand other things. But I don't know if I felt more like a pastor that towards the end it switched to Mondays. I would go see Miss Margaret and I would serve her communion. Mm. And to be at a shut-in's house and partaking in communion together was probably I I mean, I just I don't know of any other pastoral act other than maybe baptizing someone. That was so profound. And what I received in those, you know, she would always pat my hand and say, I pray for you every day. And like that maturity and that walking with Jesus and all. Dude, I remember visiting Paul one time. He couldn't hear a shotgun go off next to him. And so anytime you visited, everyone within a five-room radius knew what you were talking about because he yelled. But I remember Paul Woods telling me he was like a seven-year-old kid, and he remembered hearing the bombing of Pearl Harbor over the radio, that they all went to the one house on the street that had a radio, and they all listened to it. And he said he remembered walking on the way home and looking up in the sky thinking, I'm going to see a plane. They're, they're coming to bomb us. Like, dude, yeah. how many people in the United States of America can say that they've sat with someone and heard them recall the story of the bombing of Pearl Harbor? Right. Like, there's just things that need, that can only be passed down like that. And so I think it's really important to go, our generation seeks it out a lot of, hey, we want that relationship. And I think the older generation is a little timid to give it. And I think there's a number of other reasons that we can talk about as well, because they view our generation as very fickle. And so you're going to want this for about two weeks, and then it's going to dismantle and fall apart in that sense. I mean, think about it, dude. Some of these people have lived in the same house for 40 years. Right. You know, on stuff like that. Where they it's, literally built their own homes. A hundred percent. That's my grandparents. You know, I remember my, I remember my grandparents telling me that, you know, we were, I hate that I almost put a, uh, the, I love it. the old, older I love tongue it. to it, but that's my grandma. Yep. Mimi, if you're listening, I love you. But, yep. But she was like, well, it's Missouri. We wanted a basement. Right. But the, the Red Rock. Yep. And so, you know, but she was like, hey, your grandpa and his friend from work, they would work all day long and they'd come and they would yep. excavate out the ground. In and the evenings, built it just stick by stick, man. And you so, know? yeah. And then they still live there. And then what it does is it, 
it's not a, yes, it's an investment, obviously, and all those other things. That's how we think of it. It's an investment. Sure. It'll have an appreciation, blah, blah, blah. For them, their appreciation was in the acquisition. That's it. And for us, I think our generation is so focused on, we appreciate the profitability. 100%. What do I get out of this? How much, we start here, where does it end? And Well, think that. about this. I mean, where? how many of us know of a TV repairman? Right? Sure. Because that stuff doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, because it's just easier to go buy one Maybe. in that sense. And Did you if, have a big tube TV while we're talking about it? Yeah. So in, in Kennett, the city, when you got hooked up for city cable, there was a box. It was like a, the color of a manila envelope. I'll, okay. nev- yeah, I'll yeah. never forget it. It went like from 1 to 40 or 1 to 50, and it was a clicker. Click, 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 click. And that is how you physically... Changed channels. We had a zenith. Yeah, the old the cabinets, you know. Yep, for sure. But mom, all and dad, of that but, stuff. Yeah, they, that's crazy. Now you were a recipient, like you said, you were brought into the church in regards to of an invitation of the older generation. Speak to, because knowing your story, it sounds like the older generation really, in a way, invested in you and oh, like totally. and like rolled the dice. They were yeah. like, "Hey, listen, we see leadership in you." We see a young man who loves the Lord, who can preach the word. We're going to pass the baton to you. What what was that like in yeah. your story? So, I mean, and this is where it's really cool because it's it's not, it is the church, but I, I have to back up one step before and say, you know, some of, some of you may not know some of my story that I was raised primarily by my grandparents yeah. at age 15 up. And so what it was, was the first, my invite to church was my grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't forceful. I did, I was living with them and the joke was you're going to go to church if you're not throwing up or sure, bleeding, but, sure. but it was that itself that launched me into watching them on a Sunday morning. You wouldn't, I have to give so much detail to this, but I'll be quick. You know, my gr- grandma never cooked on Sunday. It would mm. be leftovers because yep. Sunday church, it was church. Yeah, Sabbath, and so man. Sunday is the only day that we get to go out to have lunch. Wow. And so... And that's very true for us in our family as yeah. well. Yeah, so we would go, and I remember when my grandpa was having like high cholesterol and all this other stuff, so we went to Wendy's. Like, yes. to me, dude, it was a Dairy season queen. of life, yeah. but I remember like oh. he, had a, he had a baked potato, Yep. you know, and like that was it, but... I say all of that because when we went to church, my grandparents were some of the founding people. He was on the board in the early 60s and stuff. And so like when they have buildings and the brick, I can't remember when the first oh, church Oh, the cornerstone, was man. Yeah, yeah they for would have sure. It. Their and names moved, are on it. Wow. Yeah. So he were, so you know, we would walk by that every time you go into church of just a reminder of like, hey, we're we're start we're, we're only building on something here. <sighs> And so when my grandparents invited me in, they made sure that I knew that. Yeah. They they wanted me to know the sacrifice. And so when they met their friends, it was, these are friends I've had for 40, 50 years. Yeah. It's not just, hey, they've been coming since whatever. Yep. For them, church was so much. And that's what I introduced to was church is not just a place, obviously, you come to worship. It is familia. It really is that. Yes. And it was just, that's what transformed me was the the koinonia that yes. bringing like there was so much just genuine friendship. Um, and it was diversity as well. I mean, older women, you had widowed women. I mean, my grandpa loves classic cars. Love it. Right now he's actually selling his 66 Mustang Whoa. and it's on Facebook marketplace and it's really heartbreaking to watch, but Whoa. Um, he's got like 12 cars. So okay. that's right. a different yeah, generation yeah, yeah. as well where sure. they need 15 cars, but sure. it's like each one of them have their purpose. But, <laughs> but it's a, you know, when we go to church, you know, the, the, some of the older guys they'd have, you know, uh, uh, Ted Davis had like a Ford and there was this, uh, there was anyway, yep. it was just this idea that when I got there, it was so much that 
we weren't just walking into something random. Yeah. It was something that God pieced together little by little through the years of decades. And I think it was just an introduction of the appreciation of what, what church should be. Um, and as a young pastor, I, I, we, that's something I think that we try to do as a culture setter. You know, we say words create culture and all of those things. It's like, how do we accurately portray that to someone that's sure. been coming here for a long time that starts to feel like, hey, I don't belong. I don't yep. fit in. I don't yep. know what's going on. Like the, the, there's some of this long standing that after 20 years, we're going to look back, like you said, man, yeah. and go, man, I miss that. And that's super, like we do that in our connection class. Literally the first night of the connection class is what I'd like to call church history on the back of a napkin. And, <laughs> and we go from crucifixion, resurrection, Pentecost, kind of through the big movements of church history. Yeah. And then I say, you know, May of 1963, and everybody sort of looks at me like I don't I don't know what's important about that. And I'm like, that's the first time that West Side Church formally gathered together. And then in the back of the room, there's a table with Ted Cross's handwritten sermon notes, because he preached the very first sermon along with the handwritten bylaws on the legal sized paper. Yep. And the application of that is this you're not the first church members of West Side. Yeah. This has been here before you, and it'll be here after you. And I think to encourage the older generation, and I think you'll wholeheartedly amen this, a church will survive. People forget the average church attendance and average church size in the United States of America is 40 people and under. So that's all these country churches out here make up a majority of the churches. For sure. When the older generation intentionally passes the baton, that church will live. I don't care how old it is or how small it is. Dude, to have three founding members in the interview process of when I was interviewing as a candidate of being a pastor here at this church and say, we are ready for change, we trust you to lead the change, and we will follow, we're going to need some information we're going to need some time. It's not the easiest thing for us, but we're on board with that. I, I, I mean, it's it's a game changer. That yeah. church will live and survive. And it's the same is true in your story as well, yeah. of constantly investing in you, constantly giving you the baton to move forward and do that in these areas. And so it's the, the application point was we need each other. Yeah, I mean, this thing cannot work unless we intentionally are relating to each other with these sort of familiar needs. And so we kind of had an equation yeah. that I said, there's no substitute for this. There, there, this is the equation. There is no fast track. It is intentionality plus time equals biblical community. Yep. That's it. It first starts with us, the younger generation, going... We value this enough to make time for it. Yeah. We will go to this. We will ask them out to lunch. We will intentionally do this. You're going to have to give up time in order to get time. It's what people don't understand. You have to spend money to make money. You have to spend time to save time. It's just the way that it works. So it's intentionality. Then it's plus time. And here's where we need the older generation to go a year is nothing. Yeah. I mean, to talk to my nanny and Lonnie in Kennett, Missouri, as 87 years of age, I mean, dude, I'll be really honest. 
I mean, my nanny goes to bed every single night with a low level of anxiety of, is this the last night that I go to bed? I mean, imagine viewing time that way. You know what I'm saying? And we're over here going, I mean, it's flying by. You know, we got this, we got to run. I mean, we almost feel bad if our schedule is not full. We almost have anxiety if our schedule is not full in that sense. And so that's where the two generations, I think, come at it from a different angle. And then it is not a microwave, it's a crock pot. And just when you intentionally, I showed a picture at the end of the sermon, you know, um, I was reading Doris Kern Goodwin's memoir that weekend. It's phenomenal. And for her, her mom said that sentence. And I thought, that is what Paul is saying. Yeah. Age and poverty are not a sin. Dude, that's significant. Oh, absolutely. Because we view old drivers and nursing homes and they're dangerous and they don't contribute. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. Our worth in the kingdom of God is not based upon what we contribute. It's based upon being created in the image and likeness of God. And so I showed that picture of Miss Margaret feeding Andy Grace a bottle at a church event that we had. Like, the founding member, her husband's spirit, there would be zero Westside Church if it was not for Ted Cross, hands down. And she knew and prayed for my family and fed my daughter a bottle. Like, I don't know, man. I just think yeah. that's what he's getting at in the passage, you know? And and, I, th- I mean, just from my point of view, too, looking at it in from, you know, being a part of other churches and stuff, I think that's where Westside has a very unique opportunity. Yeah. Um, you can call it seize the opportunity, whatever you want. But I think it's something where in your heart, you just have an appreciation for it because what that is now doing is birthing hope into the future. Yep. Because you can look back and see where hope was birthed into you. And yep. I think that's the that's the really cool launch pad that I think when Paul's talking about this, I mean, he's talking to the church in Ephesus. Like there's so much future that that through the spirit, I mean, today, yep. 2,000 years later, we're now worshiping the same risen Jesus Christ. Come so on. like, I think that's where for them to see it, to then hear you say, like, I can only imagine where Paul's like, I can still remember my conversion. Yes. And, you know, Timothy, do you remember your conversion? Don't forget what your grandma taught that's right. you. And I think there's that so much that that looking back allows you to see where you're going. Yes. Um, people say don't look back, but it's like no, you have to know where you've come from. Yep. You know to see how far you've come, and, 100%. and I think that's, I don't know, man. I think there's something in that too to the Christian life of, you know, if you're struggling right now in any regard, like, go up to an older man or woman yes. and just say, hey, what are you doing? I think you will be pleasantly surprised yes. when they say, actually, we got nothing going on. Yep. Or bring your little sweet. It's time to give another shout out to another sponsor of the rest of the sermon podcast. This shout out goes to our great friends over at Smart Marketing right here in Popper Bluff, Missouri. Smart Marketing is a fantastic media company. And when I say media, I mean websites, graphic design, videography, anything that you need, Smart Marketing can do it. You need to head on over to Facebook, just type in Smart Marketing, and you'll see their cool light bulb logo pop up, and you can get a ton of information there. Or you can just give them a call, Smart Marketing at 573-840-0334. Again, that's Smart Marketing right here in Popper Bluff, 573 840 
0334. Back to the show. Family over you got to a our house, house project. Yeah, yep. like just to give out, just to shout out somebody really quick because I know that he listens, but I saw a, a photo of Anthony Winsel. Yeah. And it looked like Roy Winters went over there and yeah, had to like clear out some stuff on this property. Yep. Like that's that's it. I mean, do you know that, that really is it? That's the radical minimum, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, non-believers can do that to each other. Yeah. If anybody is setting the standard and the pace in this, it's it's gotta be the local church. Yeah. And so our generation greatly needs to hear, hey, stop looking for only a family-oriented and this, that, and the other, because you need a grandma and you need a grandpa yeah. just as much as you need a spiritual mom and a spiritual father yep. in that sense, for sure. So, yeah. yeah, man, that's really good. And then he shifts in and really talks about, we would call it benevolence, but how does the church practically meet the needs of the church? And I thought this was just to read Paul's words. And I love Paul's brashness and like just bang to the point on stuff. It was very eye opening and I think very refreshing to look at like, okay, what are our responsibilities unto one another in this thing? Yeah. You know, and he just lays it out take care of widows. Yeah. Like, okay. We need to pray about that. Nope. No, you don't. And I want to say this. Westside is filled with widows. I mean, we have quite a few of them. And if you are an able-bodied man, I just want to speak to you for a second. When winter rolls around and the snow and the ice and everything hits, can you just make a mental note right now of listening to this podcast? Maybe you just go in your you know calendar app and you set a reminder on December or something like yeah. that to contact Pastor Alex, contact Pastor Jason, and just go, hey, I know we're getting some bad weather in. Does anyone need anything? Because I love the way yeah. that Paul is. We've got to understand the context of the first century church. It's illegal to be a Christian. These people are signing up to die. Some of them can't sell and trade in the market because they don't take Caesar's stamp. Well, if you can't sell and trade in the market, I mean, that's where you get tomatoes. It's where you get everything. So what Paul is doing is even bigger than what we see. He's going, no, 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 no. You guys can be a self-sustaining community. You can meet each other's needs. But what it's going to require is this intentionality in that yeah. sense. And so I just really want to speak to the West Side men and to the men listening to this podcast um, coming around this winter and stuff like that, be ready, be asking, be available because every year there are needs that need to be met. And what more of a practical way yeah. can you know that you're growing in your relationship with Christ and you're shoveling, you know, Miss Margaret Cross's driveway or going to go get groceries or doing something yeah. like that. It's incredible, man. It's incredible. I think it's the scope in which we look at it through, you know, of like yes. what, what does this look like? It's practical. Yes. It's not super spiritual. It's not this, you know, we need to get together and have Bible stuff. Like it's, right. it, it can be those things. Sure, sure. But it doesn't, it doesn't only include those things. And I, I, I just, yeah, I mean, if we could plug in two, two things too, that's coming up, I think that's really important for us to, to talk about West side men, West side women. Yep. Um, coming back into fall launches. I mean, there was this last time we had just kind of our summer kind of touch, I don't know what we call it, like a touch base. Yeah. 
And it was, we had some newer people come to Westside, yep. highly connected to them, connected with them. They're really fired up about Westside, what they're doing. This was his first Westside men experience. Yeah. And he sat at our table, how we have kind of table set up. You kind of sit with different people. And anyway, come to find out at the end of this, we have breakouts. And what I did is I looked around the table and you would think like, okay, it's a men's group, like what to expect. Well, here's what I want you to expect when you come to Westside men or even Westside women. Yeah. At our table, we had me and another guy who yep. were in our 30s with kids. Yep. Um, he just had a second kid. Then you had at that table the guy that had just started coming. Yep. He's in his old, I think he was in mid 50s. Okay. So he's retired, kind of, or borderline retired, VA, did, sure. did all of that. And then you had someone else who was 23. Yep. And he had just quit his job, got yep. a girlfriend, looking at life, buying houses, all this stuff. Yep. And it was just really incredible to look around the table and like, I remember thinking, and this is me being completely honest, was like, is this, is this a good thing? Right. You know, this is so diverse. It's so diverse. It's almost like, do I feel comfortable? Sure. You know, in that sense, which I did, but I started thinking about from the other people at the table. And I remember just telling, uh, I mean, I just remember telling the older guy at a different setting, I said, Hey, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you being at our table Yeah, man. because you could hear. and, And what he was hearing in the moment was like, the doubt in our voices of sure. like, Hey, I'm 23. I just quit my job. Yep. Like with that comes, am I ever going to find another job? How oh, much yeah. money am I going to make? Where am I going to live? And it was that, 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 that investment of, Hey, let me tell you this really quick. Yeah, man. You're going to make it. And I think it was just really cool, especially for me and this other person, like we're in our thirties, like got yeah. kids, like sure. we got roots digged, dug down deep. Anyway, it was just, that's what to expect at Westside men. And we've and been very intentional with that. I said that in the sermon, awesome. we, we have never been a church that has groups for people who are, you know, 20 to 23, whose birthdays go from August to May and you were born on a Thursday or some, I mean, there's some yeah. great commonality and there's, if you're single, you know, you can connect with other single people and do that, but we very intentionally want different age groups, a diversity of age groups, socioeconomic yeah. backgrounds and everybody together because we're all pursuing Jesus and it looks differently, but we all have a value. And I think the, the simple summary sentence is this, we have a lot more in common than we do apart. Yeah, amen. We just do. We're, we're, we're human beings who we're all striving for that. So that's good. Yeah, man. It's really good. I just, just, yeah, when it comes to look at that, and you know, and if we could just take a moment, I mean, this is something that I had talked to you about just because I, you know, I, I tend to, nowadays I'm not as vocal on social media as I used to be, I feel sure. like. Um, but I, I still pay attention on mm-hmm. social media. And, sure. and I've talked to you about this a little bit where, you know, I still think that as leaders, we have to be cognizant. And this is more not just pastoral leaders, but this is just, hey, leading in general, because we're always leading someone. Yeah. So we said in this series that, we're, you know, someone you're always leading someone. Um, and so there was there, there's, you know, from from my perspective, I saw some some comments about, you know, a woman that was serving in the church that didn't feel sure. connected. She had served in the church, worship team, devout Christian, reads her Bible, you name it. And she still had the conviction of like the church doesn't make my sure. singleness a, a priority or yeah. expectation. And I think, you know, I don't want us to to be naive. I think is the word. I'm going to be bold here Absolutely. and say that. But I think this is why we're intentional with yes that, is because we're not trying to overlook somebody no. and say, well, one day you'll understand. I nope. I really don't like that terminology because I heard that a lot as a young pastor. Of one sure. day you'll understand where I'm coming from. And it's like. Well, you know, help me today yeah. understand what you see. 100%. I want to see what you see. That would be, you know, if Haley was in here, I mean, I remember Haley through so many different seasons of life. 
And one of the seasons of life was her coming with a couple girlfriends to a community group that had a large amount of married people in it. And Haley and her friends were just eating popcorn, sitting down Indian style, asking all the questions. <laughs> because it was like there was that there were so many different seasons of life, but what there also was was I've got to have your guidance in this, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, man, super valuable, just think, super valuable in that sense. I want to talk a little bit about the application just because I, I just, and maybe this is something that I could just, you know, speak to, speak to everyone listening. There was something that maybe it was just for me. That was my little nugget. Mm. But when you said the words, who am I intentionally connecting with building relationships with, that was comforting and convicting. Mm. Comforting in the sense where we've got West Side Youth and all these other things going sure. on. And so it's really cool just to start building relationships with people that I didn't know that well and doing ministry with. Yeah. But I just I just want to say this to anyone listening to your, you know, even to myself probably is the biggest person I'm speaking to on this, that we have to see that as the opportunity of where we're at in the season of life. Yes. Um, you know, we have... I think of when I asked my grandparents, you know, I think they're good this, this last year, 67 years of marriage. Unbelievable. People don't even live 67 That's what I'm saying. years. Like, and it's like, no, 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 not when they're how old they're, I'm saying married. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember always asking them like probably from year 50 and up. Cause I can still remember where we were for the sure. 50th, which is crazy to think. Cause I was so young, but yeah. anyway, it was Olive Garden. <laughs> Just of course. There. You know what we're I mean? Balling out baby. <laughs> so yeah. But Next. I, but I remember asking them like, what's the secret? And it was funny because, and, and if you've been married, and I don't know what the number is, I want to say if you've been married 25 plus years on this, which I'm just speaking because I don't know. I remember asking, what's the secret? And they were like, well, they argued over the secret. Right. There was no secret. I love they, it. They both, they both viewed the secret as something different. I love it. And so for me, so good. It's, it's, I looked and I'm like, man, because, you know, I just celebrated 10 years with my wife this yep. last year. I know you're, you're 14. 13, uh, yeah, no, are we at 15? Now we're being quizzed. Yeah, we're right. Yeah, we're right. Megan on and Courtney it, so. are going to, right. Yeah. Yes. But, but long enough for us to go, Hey, like the, the, that relationship took intentionality. It took building upon building, you know, now kids are in the mix. I just 100%. think that when we look at the church, I think it's something for us that we just need to slow down. And, and I, I feel like we, we were, this series is causing us to do that. Yeah. Of looking at the scope of the church and saying, Hey, we have elder, we have younger, we have right in the middle. We're never too busy for community. Sure. Is what I'm, I guess I'm getting. At sure. If we're never too busy to build in relationships. And I think that's, I don't know. There's just Sunday, you said that, man. And it really just, I felt yeah. like I could feel your heart on that. Yeah. Because, you know? be, because I think Paul doesn't leave any room for guessing. Yeah. I mean, to use the language older women as mothers. And then I even thought about, again, I could have preached an entire sermon and done a Spurgeon thing on just these first two verses. Because what do, what does a father do? Well, there's provision and protection, okay, right? And then a mother. What does a mother do? Well, primarily in the scriptures, we see a nurturing aspect to that. But then thinking about how those roles play out in the older relationship sense, but then looking at younger men, fellow men as brothers, not as competition, and then younger women as sisters. And I love that Paul says, in all purity. And so you want to protect your sister. You want the best for your sister. You want, and that's where I, dude, I really meant when I said at the very beginning of the sermon, I don't very rarely do it, but I just said, hey, listen, that big idea is so significant that if you are overwhelmed when it comes to this church thing and you're like, I don't even know what to do, 
I don't know. Am I serving here? What do I do? There's a board. There's like, I don't, I'm supposed to give. What is this? Oh my goodness. If you were to boil down, what is my responsibility? And our responsibility is to care for each other with honor and grace. And that looks like believing the best in, in each other yeah. and filling the gaps with trust. That is a intentional decision that, by the way, you possess the power in. Right. That's not a powerless statement that is dependent upon circumstances. That right. is you as an individual who say, I am an individual that is a part of the whole. I often get in the rut of viewing the whole through my lens yeah. and going, I'm not doing this. I'm not involved in this. These people do this. I'm left out of this. Other than going, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I am making the conscious decision to hold those people in high value and worth and then to fill the gaps with trust. And what I mean with gaps is there's always gaps in relationships. Why did they do that? Why did they not include me in this? Why did we decide this? I don't necessarily agree in this direction. This... That's fine, but fill the gaps with the best and trust. And dude, I think if we as a whole and as a congregation just simply devoted a year of our life to intentionally doing that, it'd be a game changer, I think, the way that we would work out in our relationships with one another. Because here's why, here's how we can do that. Here's how the church is different. We are a covenant community. And what a covenant community means is this. I'm not bailing. There is a level of safety that is around our relationship. So if you make a decision or if you do something that intentionally or unintentionally hurts me, here's what we're free from. We are free from the anxiety of the eject button. Of I'm gone, I'm out of here. Because if you choose to do that... Here's what your cycle in church will look like. It will look like infatuation. It'll be a honeymoon phase. You'll be infatuated with something. Most of the time, it's a personality of a primary leader or a service that that church provides. Uh So so it's an I'm infatuated with that. Then there's the honeymoon phase that, oh, this church can do. Dude, I, I just need to confess this. I fell into the trap and believed it when people said, like, I've never been to a church like this before. Man, this is so incredible. I've ne- And I just, I walked away with my head, <laughs> as my nanny said, too big for my britches. You yeah, know, I was yeah, like, yeah. heck yeah, man, we're killing it, you know? That was the gauge. But here's yeah. what always comes with those sentences. I've never been with a, uh, at a church like this before. Because all the other churches blank. And there was a degrading. Now, when I hear that, I just look at my clock and almost want to say to someone, man, it's just a matter of time till you say that about me. It's just a matter of time till you say that about this church. So it goes infatuation, a honeymoon phase, and then here's what will inevitably happen. Conflict. Do you know why conflict happens in churches? Because there are people in churches. I was going to say, yeah, it's part of the game. I mean, church would be great if we could get rid of people. Man, uh, yep, I dude. A, I mean, I mean, it I would just say that it, right. It would just be perfect. So now there's conflict, and then here's the two options: bail. Yeah. And if you bail, you will repeat that same cycle over and over and over again. 
It'll be infatuation. It will be honeymoon. It will be conflict. And then it will be rejection. And it and mean people bounce around from years and pockets of five to seven years, you know, in churches. Or when the conflict happens, you move toward the person. And and listen, it's socially awkward. It's difficult. Because, excuse me, we haven't learned how to do this in our families of origin. Right. But the covenant community is supposed to provide the safe space for that. And so, man, I just really, as an exhortation, if we believe the best and fill the gaps in with trust, man, somebody in a position of leadership in a church and leadership in general, if I was able to lean on the confidence, knowing that people believed the best and filled the gaps with trust, man... It would alleviate a lot of things, I think. You I th- know, I think that's kind of where, I mean, that's where it's the church is different. That's yeah. where the church is set apart. That's where it's we have an opportunity, and I think that's, and I know we say it a lot, and especially you know, and I think I'm guilty of sometimes just saying it and then moving on. But I think that's where it's not. It's not. A, we're not a restaurant yes. where you have a bad experience and you you leave a Yelp review and you never go back yes. or whatever. And I think. That's, it's just one of those things where we have to constantly remind ourselves when we deal with conflict, personal life, then into our corporate life or, or, or communal life, like there's ways through conflict. Yes. And I think that's something that even Paul is, is he's a front runner, honestly, yes. in, uh, in all of that, where when there's conflict, you need to push through, there's confidence in each other through the conflict. Dude, how about this? Paul tells Timothy not to enroll some women. Yeah. Like there, yeah, there was stuff going on. I mean, I mean, Paul's like, yeah. "Hey, listen, this category of person, you do not need to invite them into the covenant community and enroll them for care because they're going to split that covenant community right in half." Man, man, that is, dude. Can you imagine if I stood up on a Sunday morning and spoke the way that Paul spoke in that letter? I just, for some reason in our community and our expectations are so unrealistic and yeah. so unbiblical that what I'm trying to say is conflict is not bad. The Bible says conflict can be a catalyst for change if we so choose it to be. Yeah. But the Bible and in the cup, and this is a super important sentence for our listeners, the Bible presupposes Conflict in the covenant community must be resolved. That every believer has the responsibility to walk the path of restoration. Maybe it won't always turn out that way, but we have the responsibility to try and do it. And when we start abdicating that responsibility onto other leaders, I mean, even in the verses this week, Paul says, hey, listen, if a widow... Has, has family that are living, the family needs to take care of that widow. Yeah. Be, the family doesn't need to pawn that widow off on the church because that will be a burden for the church. So Paul literally says, y'all need to ante up and come off some of that money and, <laughs> and, and help out grandma over here in this, that, and the other. And so, but man, I think in the individual West, we've lost this. And I told you this yeah. yesterday. I saw it, and we, you know we can kind of close. I just love where these podcasts go. They go wherever they go, and, and it's great. I saw this play out more real during the COVID crisis. And here's what I mean. 
So the funny thing is I was in Arizona Phoenix International Airport with Tyler Saxton and Matt Blackburn while Donald Trump was on ev I just remember the amount of screens. It was like a movie scene. People were on their phones live streaming it. It was everywhere. And he was declaring COVID-19 as a national crisis emergency. So the world was watching Italy at the time because it was literally coming around the globe that way. Yeah, yeah. And Italy was getting devastated. And the death toll was just rising, rising, and rising. Come to find out the reason why is because over in Italy and in Greece and in Rome, it's an inter-age um, household. It's multi-generational. So there are the kids, there are the parents, then there are grandparents and great-grandparents, great-uncles, great-aunts. Yeah. In that part of the world, the home was multi-generational. Right. That's why the death toll got so high. The little kids would go out, contract COVID, bring it home, and then that would be devastating. And for some reason, that was so eye-opening to me because our death tolls over here in the U.S. were very individualistic. You know, we were separating people from their families and this, that, and the other. And man, I really think for us as Christians in the American West, this familia, it is not me, it is we mindset, really has to be something at the forefront of our minds big yeah. time in order for anything like this to happen. I loved the application thing that you really zoomed in on. I thought that was very practical. And I think it's something to reiterate and ask again if you're listening to this podcast. Who are you intentionally investing in? Yeah. And it could be something small, like you said a few weeks, oh, two weeks ago. Send a text, man. It could start there. How about you how know? about this? How about here is I love people love practical and they love to be told what to do. How, how about this? How about starting this Sunday? You make a pact with yourself that you will walk up to an older person, or if you're an older person, a younger person and say, hi, how was your summer? It just starts there. Yeah. And then, hey, we're going to run out and we're going to eat here. And we're going and then it just snowballs. And then eventually you land at the place where Miss Margaret is giving Andy Grace a bottle. Yeah. And you go, wow, man. Yeah, fight. Th- yeah, I, mean, I, I use the word fight just because I think we, you know, we live in a world where we overthink so much in oh, those circumstances, you know. Yes. Just, but fight through that, man. It does I think, not have to be complicated, man. You know, yeah, I just, because, I, I mean, it goes back to what you said, too. What would the community look like? I mean, and I know that you might be, you know, thinking, listening to this, you guys just don't have any idea how hard that is. No, we do. And I think as pastors, we... Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I kind of miss that oh. of because because when I walk up to somebody on a Sunday morning, I get to pull the whole "Hey, I'm Alex Clark, I'm the executive pastor." Official here. card. I don't yeah, know right. you, but I want to get to know you. Blah blah blah. Yep. And they instantly go one of two ways. It's either one, I want to get to know him, or get me away from this guy right, as fast right. as yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to go to the bathroom. But but for for just someone that's you know whatever like board member you know regular attender. You, you you have such an opportunity oh. and a front door in in that whole relationship of yes. just you know it's a, it's a metaphor but it's knocking on the door yes maybe you try and hey you're gonna get some people you know run away from the door now sure but I think yeah I think this Sunday I think it would be incredible just to look back after a month and go hey I met four people this this yep. month 
And, you know, I know their names and I know what they do for a living. I know their kids' names. I know they got an appointment coming up. The wisdom and the benefit and the discipleship could just go through the roof with something like that. Yeah, you don't need what you said on Sunday. I love it. You don't need us to create a ministry for that. No. There's no sign-up sheet for this. Yes, we don't. (laughs) Yeah, we're not the catalyst to that, man. Make that happen. It starts with you and... Absolutely. It's just a... That's good, man. That's really good. Speaking of that, we've got some events coming up that are really, we view these events as intersections is kind of the language. Like when you think about an intersection, that's a four-way stop. It brings a lot of cars and people together. That's only our job as a church is to create events and be intentional. That is an intersection that brings people together. Then at that event, relationships are formed and fostered. So we're kind of, you know, grieving. School has started back summer you know, has kind of ended. So this Sunday, Alex, what do we have coming up? So Sunday at 5.30, I'm trying Mm -hmm. to confirm the time to make sure I get the time right, but 5.30, the Back to School Bash. Back to School Bash. This is at the Coliseum. Yep. So, uh, and, and here's the big idea that I think is important. There's no agenda besides you bringing your family. That's it. So for your kids to run around screaming cannonball. Yeah. Is there going to yep. be a cannonball contest? Got to be. Yeah, I, well, I, mean, I always institute a belly flop contest to the uh, parents' horror and dismay. I but love it. I cheer it on for the glory of this God. This is my first year going to the, the love back it. school bash. So I'm really yeah, excited. Man. But yeah, that's this Sunday at 530. No RSVP. There's no sign up sheet. It's yep. come 530. I, I promise you, you won't regret it. It's an intersection where you're going to meet people, yep. and it's just an all-church event. We're going to look back every year. We yep. do these th- these events. It's not just to be busy. It's but it's to intentional. build community. 100%. Build community. And so, yeah, that's this Sunday, 530. Huge, uh, huge. And then coming up here, we have Dudes Day. we got Dudes Day for Westside Men. Huge, September. huge deal. Yeah. And what that is is sort of a, hey, we're going to be getting back together, and we'll start formally meeting. You guys will hear a lot more about that on September the 11th, yep. that following Monday. Um, also, there was a section in the sermon where I said, Said that we should be formally committed to one another. Paul says, enroll these women, don't enroll these women. And the word enroll literally means to be put on a list for membership, which tells me that there was a formal process of recognition for certain people to receive care. In order for them to be cared for, they had to be known. And in order to be known, there was a process of that. The process for us that we have at Westside is called the connection class, and it is exactly like it sounds. It is the front door into the church that leads you into the living room where we hang out and then all the way back to the kitchen where everything is made. And so the sign-up sheet is out there in the lobby. That's going to run the entire month, basically, of September. It's Wednesday nights at 630. This is where you serve. This is where you learn. This is how you become known. And please let me, I mean, I just, I need to reiterate this. If you bounce around from Sunday to Sunday and you're like, hey, I'm an occasional Sunday attender, praise God for you. Thanks for worshiping with us. We we pray for you. We don't take it lightly that you've chosen to be there. But if there comes a moment where there's a death or you lose your job or there's a need and you feel that this church did not meet that need, it's because we didn't know. Yeah, and I sure. need to say this, Facebook is not the official way to make things known. Yeah. So the goal, I heard Carrie Newoff say this and it's stuck with me forever. The goal of church is not for everyone to know everyone. The goal of a church is for everyone to be known. 
Well, that's a profound difference. Very much so. You know, as I mean, the book of Acts, there's no way that everyone knew everyone. There was 2,000 people who got added in a single day. But it was a church where everyone was known. So this is kind of your responsibility to say, you know, I'm going to ante up. I'm going to walk through this door and this pathway of obedience and I'm going to invest in the local community. So the sign-up sheet, you can sign up anytime. And if there's any questions about that process, shoot us an email at info yeah. at westsidepb.org. Westside Women launches back too. Yes. I mean, just to plug them real quick, September 6th. Fall, man. So, I mean, yeah, this by far, when you look at it from the church calendar, the, it, it's by far a huge month yep. of a lot going on. So, yeah, if you are listening, if you're in the Poplar Bluff area, this is the time to come in. There's great opportunities just ready to go. Yeah, man. Um, that you're going to meet people and come excited. I love it. Yeah, and so excited. if we're ending First Timothy, that means something's coming. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give it away just yet, you, Yep. but I'll tease it with this. Okay. Our fall vision series that will take us um, pretty much all the way into Thanksgiving will be the most asked question I hands down ever receive when I go out to lunch with somebody, when I get a cup of coffee, when I get a random text message, whatever it is, this is by far probably going to be the most practical series that I've ever done on the most frequently asked question I ever receive as a pastor. So I'm excited. I, I wonder what people are thinking with that, right? but it's going to be good for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited. It's going to be crazy to talk about the rapture. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what it is. That's <laughs> not what it is at oh, all. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Guys, we love you. We're on all social media platforms. Hey, really quickly, if you could leave us a review or maybe share this podcast, we uh, recently were just informed of an incredible podcast list that came out of the basically the top 20, and we ended up making the top 10, yeah. but it was the top 20 church podcasts in the state of Missouri. Yep. And Westside Church in Popper Bluff, Missouri made it. We were number 10. We made it in by a hair, but we made it. And the reason why we're able to make lists like that is because if you comment, if you um, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple iTunes, the AI algorithm really loves that. And so if you could share this podcast, stay up to date. Again, if you've got any questions that you would love for us to answer on this podcast, myself or Pastor Alex, shoot us an email at info at westsidepb.org, and we would love to answer your Bible question. We love you guys, and until we meet again, it is all about Jesus, guys. We love you. Peace. Peace.